0: The date is August 1st, 1986, and we're watching Howard the Duck. Welcome to I Used to Like This One.
1: and welcome to I Used to Like This One, the show where we take a look back at movies we remember fondly from our childhood and attempt to look past the nostalgia to see if they still hold up. My name is Sean Wells, and with me, as always, is the Howard T. Doc to my Beverly Switzler, Howard the Duck.
0: Hello, I'm Colin Stewart.
1: That shit's catchy, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And this week, we brought in a guest who seems to have become, well, a bit of a scholar on this film, if such a thing is possible. He (laughs) likes talking about this movie over on his own podcast. Uh, A friend of ours joining us for the third time, you've heard his name every week at the end of our credits, Mr. Joshua Blum. Welcome.
2: Hello, guys. Glad to be here.
1: Oh, Josh, we are thrilled to have you back because as I mentioned over on your 13th hour podcast, you have dedicated... Several hours to the topic of Howard the Duck. What is it about Howard the Duck that you love so much?
2: Well, it was an encapsulation of a particular period of time. And it's kind of hard to explain why I like this movie because uh, most people, when you you say Howard the Duck, they usually burst out laughing or like, oh, God. But, you know, sometimes you got to vote for the underdog. So that's what I'll (laughs) say for now.
1: Right on, right on. Well, this week we are looking back at August 1986 when the movies in theaters were Haunted Honeymoon, Aliens, Maximum Overdrive, Flight of the Navigator. I was in that theater. And, of course, our movie for today, Howard the Duck, which earned $38 million on a $36 million budget. I always thought this was a bigger bomb than this, but I, I was surprised to find that it actually technically broke even. But the way they talk about Howard the Doc, I thought it was worse off. Hmm. Well,
0: as always, this movie is one month younger than me, so that would still make it 35 years old. So uh, if you haven't seen it, there will be spoilers ahead. So please hit pause, go watch it, and then come back and hear what we have to say.
1: So the tagline that appears on the poster for this movie, I have four. The first is a new breed of hero. I guess. <laughs> and number two, trapped in a world he never made. That one's a little odd to me.
2: Well, have you guys, um, have you guys ever read the comic books or seen the comic I, books?
1: I don't know I've, enough about Howard the Duck with comic myself. Yeah.
0: I've read like some of the more recent, like Chip Zdarsky run, but I, I haven't read a lot of the, like anything older than that. And that run was from like, I'm to say like 2015 or 2016. So.
2: So, nothing from
1: the 70s, for sure.
2: No. Uh. Well, it's really weird. I will say that. Um, But that's a line. That's a tagline from the comic. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, Okay. okay. Uh, Well, number three, more adventure than humanly possible. (laughs) I kind of like that one. Or, now, the fourth one, this one I'm pretty sure is a Superman wink and a nod, even though, you know, Superman is DC and this is Marvel, but... You will believe a duck can talk. Because the Superman one famously is you'll believe a man can fly.
2: Uh, okay. Need a duck can talk.
0: Hmm. I don't mind that one so much. Yeah. Because it plays on the comedy.
1: <laughs> there you go. But it may not be the best description of this movie, so let's go to Colin and do a sixty-second synopsis. Alright. <gasps> Oh, sorry about that.
0: <laughs> Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> on the planet of Duckworld, home to a species of anthropomorphic ducks, lives Howard. After a hard day's work, Howard settles into his armchair for a little rest and relaxation when he suddenly finds himself pulled through time and space to Cleveland, Ohio, in the United States of America of Earth. Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks! (laughs) Drew, Drew Carey fan over here. Drew Carey,
1: Drew Carey.
0: Upon landing with his chair and body intact, Howard wastes little time making friends when he comes to the rescue of punk rock babe Beverly Switzler, who, as a thank you, takes Howard in and allows him to stay in her apartment. After Beverly tries to help Howard out by introducing him to a janitor she thinks is a scientist, Howard resigns himself to his new life on Earth and tries to get a job. When that doesn't work out, Beverly invites him to become the manager of her band, and we're almost treated to what would likely have been the first incident of on-screen puppet bestiality. But mercifully, (laughs) the janitor shows up with actual scientists who think they actually know how it is Howard came to be on Earth. After an explanation is given and they resolve to reverse the process, things go wrong and the principal from Ferris Bueller winds up possessed by an alien of a more nefarious sort who calls himself the Dark Overlord. After they visit a sushi diner run by white people, the Dark Overlord kidnaps Beverly in order to transfer another of his kind into her body. Howard and the janitor team up to save Beverly and stop the bad aliens, and they succeed, but in doing so, Howard is forced to destroy the only thing that can send him home. With a return to Duck World now out of the question, Howard becomes Beverly's manager and rhythm guitarist. And that is your 60-second
1: synopsis. (laughs) Right on. Yeah, so I went down to my DVD collection to look for Howard the Duck and realized I didn't own it. I was surprised. I thought that this was a kind of campy, bad movie that I would have picked up at a bargain bin somewhere and would have decided to own, but I don't own it. And then I realized once I sat down and watched it, I really don't know this movie very well at all. And, and it hit me that this is one of those movies back in the day when I was a child and we had Super Channel. This is one of the ones that back when my parents had Super Channel was in regular rotation. So I know I've seen it many times, but when I sat down and watched it, I realized the one of the only things I remembered is him in bed with Beverly and Leah Thompson, looking absolute dynamite in that <laughs> fucking silky negligee. You know, and I realized what a sexual awakening this movie must have been for me as a small child. But I really didn't remember much outside of that. I, I was uh, surprised when I sat down and watched this movie. Now, we'll get to you in a second, Josh, because we we already touched on you about, you may end up with a long answer to this. Colin, what is your history with Howard the Duck?
0: So I actually randomly do own this movie because I was at a garage sale last summer and, peop- and the person was selling like $1 movies and they had a copy of Howard the Duck still in the plastic. And yeah. so I was like, hey, why not? I'll buy it. It looks fun. I like Marvel. This was the first time I've ever seen this movie. I don't really have any history with Howard the Duck, other than like I, like I said before, I read a couple comics from the Chip Zdarsky run a few years back, Mm -hmm. and I've kind of just seen him. He's just randomly appeared in other comic book series I've read, but I've never really known what his deal was. Yeah, and from the little bit I know about the the one like the newer version, this movie was not at all. What I expected Howard the Duck to be?
1: No, he's supposed to be more of a like Deadpool type. Well, from what it's my understanding, like uh, in the R-rated sense, he's supposed to be a lot more vulgar and.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I could be wrong. I don't know. Like he's he's definitely played for like comedy in the books that I've read. Yeah, but more along the storylines, like I always thought that Howard the Duck was like a detective. Like I, I I thought I was getting getting gonna be getting into a movie where, you know, he like I actually thought the movie was just gonna start with him on Earth and just being like a duck detective or something like that. Yeah. But maybe it would have if they had made enough money to get a se- a sequel or something like
1: that. Maybe, yeah. I mean the music that they open this movie up with, you would think that it's uh, going to be a detective movie. But mm-hmm. well let's let's jump over to Josh. Part of the reason you're here is because you talk about Howard the Duck, now you mentioned it's, you know, it's that retro thing for you. What is it about Howard the Duck? Why do you love this movie so much?
2: Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> I first watched it probably when I was a, a teenager. So I, I missed it when I was, when I actually was, you know, like out in theaters and stuff like that. But I, I saw it later. When I was probably around nine or 10, I first watched the movie Space Camp. Um, okay, yeah. Also from the same year. It also happens to have Leah Thompson in there. And at the time, I really wanted to be an astronaut. And uh, so I really liked that movie. And I, I happened to identify very strongly with the character that she plays who wants to be like the pilot of a space shuttle. And I, I've never really been able to fully explain this, but I used to not really understand what acting was.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I guess I assumed as a kid um, that you were just sort of being yourself. I didn't really understand that it was like, you, were, you could be something totally different when you took a role. And so I, when, when I would watch a movie, you know, you had an hour, you know, two hours or whatever, where you were transported into this world that was different than your own. And if you really liked the movie, it was great while you're in it, but then it ended, obviously. And, and, and then it was done. And and I knew, you know, that world doesn't actually exist. Right. But it was played by real people. And so I just couldn't, as a kid, I just couldn't wrap my head around that. I was like, well, maybe those people who were actually in the movie, they're actually kind of like those characters. Kind of. Yeah. Well, I remember
1: how blown my mind was the day that I realized that the people on Sesame Street have different names. Right. Yeah. When I realized that Lewis is Emilio Delgado, you know, like that's a big deal. Yeah. You know? I don't know.
2: It's, it's like one of those things I remember, you know, I, as a kid, I watched, I, you know, as, as I was like kindergarten or first grade watching the movie, like Mary Poppins, which had Julie Andrews in there. And then, and then in, in music class, the teacher turned on like the sound of music. I was like, that's the same lady, but she has different colored hair. Yeah. And so I just couldn't understand how Mary <laughs> Poppins was different in the, I, and it just you know didn't under didn't get it sorry. i just i wanted
0: to ask did, did you ever have like a, a situation with somebody you really liked like they were your hero and then you saw them in a movie where they're the villain and you were just super disappointed with them
2: well so kind of <laughs> i guess i would i would kind of say that um so i guess i guess you know like for this particular movie i i liked the 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 character that leah thompson played in space camp was named Catherine. Mm-hmm. and i didn't know anybody like that you know she wanted to be the astronaut or all that kind of stuff i was probably like nine years old and so i, I was like well maybe there's another movie that she's in where she's kind of like that same character mm-hmm. so i ended up you know, I ended up seeing back to back to the future where she plays an entirely different character she's like a cat in heat like total like you know i don't know innocent sexuality or whatever but just over the top and my like nine or 10 year old brain couldn't like, I was like, I don't get that. That must be an anomaly. There must still be a accident somewhere out there. And so when I remember seeing this movie, um, I, I think I saw, it, it was probably a couple of years later. And I saw a listing in, in the uh, newspaper probably. And I was like, okay, I, I'm going to tape it because this is about, this has space involved. And that was, uh, that was Space Camp was also about space, I guess. And so maybe it's sort of the same character, even though I was older and kind of <laughs> kid, that that's probably not the way it worked. But I figured
1: maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And uh, obviously it was not, but that's kind of how I, why I wanted to watch it. And then when I started watching it, I was like, man, this movie is really weird. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand this really at all. Like Why? like just everything about it from the very opening scene, you know, where he's like hurling through space. It's like, isn't he going to die like in the middle of space with no spacesuit or anything like that? Whatever. I didn't understand. <laughs> and so I, I watched it and I, uh, it was like a mix of things. I was like, there's a lot of stuff in here that seems like it should be kind of a kid's movie, yeah. um, but it's also like really adult. And Fair. so it's kind of like this intro into like a whole world. I just completely didn't understand uh, at the time. And so I think the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's weird. Not only was that not Catherine here, she's playing a guitar and there's a duck that talks and all this other kind of stuff. But I think I watched it enough times. It just kind of grew on me, especially because I found out like people really dislike this movie. I was like, well, it's not that bad. I mean, it's, it's like it's not it's not Citizen Kane, but it's like it's not it has its charms. Right. And uh, at least I found it charming. And I liked I, I liked enough of it that, you know, I found it enjoyable. And so the more like people hated on it, the more I kind of liked it uh, in a way. And so I, I felt like this almost like protective uh, kind of like th- instinct, I guess, kind of kicked in. Yeah. It's like, why are you <laughs> hating on Howard the Duck? Like, go pick on someone your own size. Yeah. I felt the yeah. need to kind <laughs> of defend this film that everybody was, it was so maligned because they hated on it so much. It was like, well, have you actually watched it? It's not like, you know, so... Yeah, well, I think that's where
1: I about it start. 80 something episodes and Colin contacted me earlier today and said, "Make sure you give me plenty of time for the reviews tonight." So, <laughs> I think people have things to say about this uh movie.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, let's oh, let's do they. <laughs> Let's jump yeah. into Howard the Duck, directed by William uh, Do you know how to pronounce his last name? Josh? I don't
2: actually. Okay. I you know, I don't oh,
1: yeah. actually. Yeah, H-U-I-C-H? Some it's H U Y C K. This is the, his last of four director credits. He's more of a writer on things like American Graffiti, more American Graffiti, Temple of Doom. Hmm, what do all those have in uh, in common? Or uh, in, in <laughs> what what do those common. have all in common? <laughs> Fuck, COVID brain, shit. Uh, produced by Gloria <laughs> Katz, who is a George Lucas executive producer. Written by Steve. Gerber, who it's based on the character created by, and Val Mayernet uh, Mayerick, who is uncredited based on characters created by, and William Hewitt and Gloria Katz, and so like I mentioned, we opened this movie on like that those sultry saxophone music and the George Lucas presents the moody city shots, and I realized in that moment I thought more of this movie took place on this planet because they put so much work into the art direction that I have to say it's quite impressive. The amount of made up movies, the amount of made up products, all that sort of thing that they have going on in the opening.
0: Yeah. I like the attention to detail on like all the books and stuff. And yeah, like I feel like that the amount of effort that they, that they put in to really make it a a different place is you got to give them credit for that
2: yeah i like how they have like if you look really closely in the opening scene when howard's throwing his mail down on a chair like there's a postcard and it actually has his name in the like the address thing it's howard t duck yeah (laughs) last name is duck
1: (laughs) yeah we never do find out what the t stands for is it actually the
2: yeah that's what i assumed it was howard the duck and then they have like these ads that run and so i don't this may have just been a u.s states thing but did you did you guys have Crazy Eddie where you guys were? No. I I honestly think this was just like there was a there was a chain of stores in like sort of the New York metro area. So like it went over to New Jersey and and they would in places like that they would broadcast this guy and it was this guy his name was Crazy Eddie and he would sell like electronics and he would always get on TV and like smash like the um smash the TVs and radios and stuff like that and he's like my my prices are insane. And mm. so the whole like <laughs> Homage to that with Crazy Webby. And he does, he says the same thing. It's just a really brief little clip yeah, as Howard no. turns on the TV, like, and is watching some commercials. So I, I think that would just only be uh, kind of gotten by like a certain subset of like even the US, I think, because I don't think that was, I don't think that was a nationwide chain. Yeah. So
0: I found it kind of weird. They don't, like, they don't take a lot of time to explain who Howard actually is or like what he does or what his life is like. No. They just kind of like show him come into the apartment and then get sucked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there's, there's like no, there's no setup to, to his life. No.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the whole time you're sitting there going like, what the fuck is going on? Because there, there is no explanation at all.
0: I didn't notice it when I watched the movie, but I, when I watched the special features, is there actually like a topless duck lady in the bath? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's so weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I was actually yeah just about to say at least we get to see some duck boobs. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought that was bizarre.
1: Yeah, well, isn't the play duck? Isn't don't they show the picture of the duck in that and she's topless too, or like featherless? I, don't, I, don't... I guess
2: can't say it looks oh, maybe, closer, but yeah, it might be. I will say the comic book, especially so the comic book, the very first one, the appearance is in this comic book called man thing. (laughs) Um, And uh, so all Freudian jokes aside, he shows up, he makes his first appearance there. And it's really, really weird as well. Like also there's very little explanation of how he gets there. And some of the stuff that comes out later in the movie is sort of like kind of mentioned in, in those first early issues, but it's also like pretty effing weird. Like it just like, I think that that part, they kind of got kind of got right.
1: Okay, well, if you had to sum up what you know of, like the comic origin of Howard the Duck, what is it?
2: Oh, God. I mean, like, it's Jesus. Uh, It's, it makes, it probably made a lot more sense if you were high, I would guess. (laughs) Basically, the, I don't know, like the comic book and the movie are like very different things. Um,
1: Like, is Howard the Duck not one of the Guardians of the Galaxy at one point?
2: I have no idea like for a lot of that stuff, but Howard the duck was meant as a parody of other comic books. So it was kind of like, I don't know if you guys have cracked or mad magazine. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, it's kind of like that. I mean, it wasn't really intended to be anything kind of more than that. I don't think, whereas the movie kind of made it to be like, Oh, he's a duck from outer space.
1: So it's, it's like a lampoon comic in a way. Yeah.
2: It's really not intended yeah. to be taken seriously. The very first issue uh, of when Howard got his own comic book, he'd already come up, made a couple of appearances <laughs> was like kind of like a parody of like Conan the Barbarian, you know, it was like 1973 or something. I don't know. But yeah. yeah and, and then, and then that whole quack Fu thing, which we'll talk about, it was like a parody of those like seventies, like Kung Fu flicks. Yeah. And so there was like a lot of things like that, that just kept coming up. So it was like, not something that was really meant to be taken seriously, but it was, it gained popularity. And so it kind of kept on going. It was meant to be like, kind of like a commentary on the comic book, you know, industry and how ridiculous it kind of is. And, but also like some social stuff too. So I think the I think they just totally kind of missed that in the movie. Well, oh, so, yeah, yeah. I, I
1: think the tone was completely not what it was supposed to be in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Watching
0: watching the special features, like the, my kind of takeaway on it was that I f- I really feel like nowadays when people make comic book movies, they're made by comic book fans, like yeah. people who are like generally invested or at the very least went out and did research into the comics and into the fandom and that kind of stuff.
2: Hmm.
0: Whereas with Howard the Duck, I know that George Lucas, like, maybe he read a couple issues and he thought it was just a funny idea. And that's why he kind of wanted to ha- get the movie made. But I don't really feel like they took a lot from the book and put it into the movie.
2: So, I got in contact with the guy who is tasked with writing the movie novelization. Because I read the okay. movie novelization on my show. It took a couple months. And his name is Ellis Weiner, And he's, I found him on Twitter and I asked him a couple of questions and he basically said like what they gave him was this original script and he basically kind of felt it was shit. And so they just kind of <laughs> do something like make, make a, make a novel out of this. And he was like, all right, well, it doesn't seem like they kind of know what they're doing. And so he kind of like bridged the comic and the movie. He kind of made it much more tongue in cheek and, uh, yeah much more of a kind of like social satire there's like there's like a weird air of like philosophy and um sort of social satire in both the comic and the movie novelization and interestingly enough if you read the do you remember like when a movie would come out sometimes they would do like the official comic uh for it yeah yeah, yeah. they still do that but oh, like
1: yeah. i had the batman that's for sure
2: yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I remember like, you know, like when Indiana Jones, those kind of ones like that in the eighties, you could find the official movie thing and it was like just basically a retelling of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so the, there is one for Howard the duck and it's different than the actual comic, which was actually running concurrently, but it's also kind of takes uh, a more like uh, satire um, kind of f- philosophical bent probably more closely related to the original comic. And so, I don't know when the movie, they just kind of like duck from space you know, it yeah. was you know other movies have kind of that ilk, and so we're just going to do that. That's yeah. kind of what it felt like. I don't know if that was intention, but that's kind of what they got.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. I do like the fact, though, that when he does land on Earth, he encounters. This is one of my favorite things that we come across in movies, but it's it's the interpretation of the bad guys in this world and they he gets accosted by this motorcycle gang that looks like Billy Idol or something. They're all <laughs> they're all dressed like a bunch of Billy Idols. Yeah. But then we get to meet, oh boy, our love interest for this movie, Leah Thompson. Oh I was so in love with Leah Thompson in this movie. They they clearly though wanted a singer for this because I read that alternate castings for Beverly were Tori Amos, Paula Abdul, Kim Bassinger, Jodie Benson, who is Ariel from The Little Mermaid, Sarah Jessica uh-huh. Parker, Laurie Singer, or <laughs> Phoebe Cates. Those were all possibilities for people that could have played Beverly.
0: Huh. Yeah, in one of the interviews I watched with her, she said that they did really want a singer, and she had to actually fight. When they did cast her, there was a point where they were going to just dub her voice with somebody else, but to, like she learned how to sing, and she, she basically convince them to let her just actually sing the songs
1: yeah i I was impressed to find out that it was her like yeah. going going into this movie knowing very little about it, and then you get to the end and it's like, oh shit, those were all performed by her good on her because yeah, she crushed it
2: that she did a great job, I think she had to learn how to play the guitar and things like that, at least enough to you know you know to to do the film and I don't know if, like the original soundtrack, you can actually listen to the full songs. But there is a another release of the soundtrack. It has like pretty much the full songs, and so they they only play like a little snippet, you know, in the movie. And then you can actually listen to the full. They actually recorded the, you know, an actual full track there, which yeah. is pretty cool. I mean, it's it's it was on my rotation for for quite a while. Still, still, <laughs> they do a really good job, I have to say.
1: Yeah.
2: The film the filming
0: of this movie sounded like it was hell. They had, like, three units running at one point, and Leah Thompson said that she basically never had a day off the entire time because when she wasn't filming scenes, she was practicing the performance aspects, like, doing, like, singing the songs, learning how to sing while playing the guitar and dancing, learning how to play the guitar. It just sounded highly chaotic. <laughs>
1: Well, uh the thing I want to know, and I'm sure Josh probably actually knows the answer to this. why are there so many people credited as Howard the doc i
0: know I know partly why there's like one there well they they recast the guy in the suit a couple times, and at one point, there was like the guy who ends up playing most of it is he's a little person. I can't remember his name, but for a while for a while, they also had like a kid, yeah, uh playing him. And then there's, uh, but there
1: were too many night shoots for the kid.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, work hours restrictions, all that kind of. There was that,
0: and and the kid just like because he's a kid, and how they wanted like Howard to have like an adult look. And like adult mannerisms and some in the interview this guy says anyways, like sometimes the kid was just like too kidlike. Yeah. And Leah Thompson also thought it was really awkward to try to film the love scene, yeah. knowing that it was a kid inside the suit. It's,
1: it's already <laughs> so, awkward enough with the fact that it's a doc. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then I think they tried out multiple people for the voice before they landed on yeah, the one
1: that, guy. That that I did read. Actually, Robin Williams was originally cast but he hated oh, really? trying to sink his mouth movements, So he quit after like a week. And then okay. John Cusack, Martin Short, uh, pa- uh, Rob Paulson, who played like pinky in pinky in the brain okay. and, and Townsend, uh, Townsend Coleman, who played Michelangelo in the original Ninja Turtles cartoon. Yeah. They, okay. they were all possibilities for the Howard voice. Interesting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Chip Zane is the guy who does the voice. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think, if I recall correctly, when they when they were actually filming it, you know, it was just like an animatronic puppet, right? And so I think sometimes yeah. that puppet, like, you know, like when they talk about like filming Jaws and those kind of things, like sometimes the puppet doesn't work and it breaks, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So when they had to do the scenes with the duck, they were like all these people who had to control the movements of the eyes and mouth, but there was no sound coming out, right? So they would be just like people, like. Who were like yeah. backstage, like shouting out the lines for what Howard was saying. So, I don't know. Like you, I think you have to forgive the movie quite a bit because people are basically acting with something that's inanimate, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah,
0: that was the one crazy thing I didn't realize until I was watching these special feature interviews. But like, what's the what's the guy who does the voice? Oh, Chip Zine. Uh, Chip Zine. Yeah. He didn't do the voice until it was all done. Like he he came in afterwards and did everything. So like Leah Thompson's like all those other actors' performances are done with like, you know, just random people delivering the line, right?
2: <laughs> or nothing. I think or, some- or
0: or nothing sometimes. Yeah.
2: How do you? I think that I, I would imagine like I'm not an actor, but I would imagine like that's a that would be a, quite a test as an actor to to come up with something that is going to be at least halfway convincing for something that doesn't is inanimate. I don't know. Yeah. I oh,
0: knew yeah. that experience but my my respect for leah thompson grew a lot watching this movie i also didn't realize like i <laughs> like i've seen back to the future a couple times i don't i don't even remember her from back to the future weirdly but in this one when i watched her in this one i was like that's caroline from caroline in oh. the city that kept, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, that's a- what kept
1: coming into my head <laughs> nice that it's it's funny that that's where your mind goes to though with leah thompson right i mean like you think almost everyone goes to back to the future
0: yeah
2: for
1: sure you know and josh brought up the other two big ones you know space camp and this i'd say yeah. i don't know
2: yeah i th- i think i don't know I, I i imagine like like i don't think anybody sets out to make a flop right and i don't know i think they they might have known like you know going through it that it was gonna not gonna be like well i don't know but but i think like if you work that hard especially. And then you you see all the negativity that comes afterwards. Maybe we'll talk about it. But that has, I think, has got to be very demoralizing. And so I I have to say, like, when I, I remember learning about that, I, I don't remember how I learned about it because, like, I must have, when I watched it, I don't know if there really was an internet of any to speak of. But anyway, at, at some point, reading about it or whatever, or hearing people talk about it, I was like, man, that sucks, you know? So hearing how, like, sort of arduous it was to make the film. Yeah. Because like you kind of take it for granted when you watch it that it's just going to be, you know, I mean, in a way, it's it's it it seems almost seamless because the duck moves, his eyes move. It, it looks like it's just a person in a duck costume, which it kind of is. But you kind of forget that, like, if even if it were that, like, how do all the facial features and everything like that, you know, well, work? I
0: like the the movie that I kept thinking like comparing it to in my brain. Well, we just watched Harry and the Hendersons, yeah, which I think is like. A class animatronics and and puppetry and all that like that's the best of that ilk I think that I've seen in a long time. But the other movie I thought of was Ninja Turtles and and people love except for the third one, but people love Ninja Turtles one and two. <laughs> and I would say like those costumes don't hold up that well. I thought that the Howard the Duck costume was awesome. I thought it was great. I like I don't know like to hear to hear that to hear that people had a problem maybe with like. With the actual look of Howard, I find hard to, I don't know, just accept. Because I thought, like, for a movie made in 1986, it's pretty damn good.
1: True. True. I mean, I did read that George Lucas was hoping that this movie would get him out of debt. And was oh, really? ba- was banking on it doing really huge. And then when it didn't, it, he was uh, he ended up having to sell off some assets that he had. And one of the assets he sold off ended up becoming Pixar. So we have Howard the Duck's failure to thank (laughs) for some of the greatest animation since 2000.
0: It only, it only fits, I guess.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I thought one of the weird things about the film was that I think when you see something that is the duck in there, like my first thing was like, okay, I, I couldn't really quite get out of my head. Daffy Duck from like Looney Tunes and Donald Duck, you Donald know, because yeah. he's kind of like a more adult version of like Donald Duck. In fact, in the comic book, I do believe Disney actually sued Steve. Yeah. Yeah, um, and in the first appearance of Howard, he is wearing like he's wearing a suit and like the little hat and like, so it kind of looks a little bit of the comic, but he has no pants. It kind of yeah. like, like Donald Duck. And so I couldn't quite get that out of my head, and I I, I feel like a lot of parents probably, if they saw it, they'd be like, oh, it's I don't know, it's a movie about a duck. Say, oh, I'll take my kid. But it's not really, it's sort of not really a kid movie. I mean, I watched yeah, it. there's a lot of stuff that just kind of goes over your head. And then Howard himself, like, on one hand, he's kind of like cute and lovable, but he like he kind of like talks like a forty year old, like I don't know. So yeah. someone who's trying a little too hard, and so it, it's kind of awkward. Like I don't—that's the part I didn't really get as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I kind of
0: felt like when I think about reasons why maybe this movie flopped, the really the only thing that stands out to me is the tone is not what you think, and 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 it kind of doesn't really have like a centralized theme. It, it reminds me a little bit of like when I hear about why the Princess Bride flopped in the theaters and then like went on to make bank when it was in DVD or whatever. I think it's kind of like the similar thing to Howard the duck. Like, I think it just kind of, how do you, how would you market this movie? Who do you mark? Who do you market it to? And then it's so oddball that it is really like, it's yeah. It's not really for general audiences. Like it's gonna, if, if you have a certain sensibility, I think you'll like it. But if you don't, then you're probably gonna hate it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that's hard. Well, take it from me. If if you if you like, you know, half the stuff that I do is like it's like it appeals to a very specific sort of thing, is sort of demographic. And so, I think I don't know. Like, I, I I'm not really sure who they were gonna market it to. Like, because the because it was pretty different from the comic book. So the fans of the comic book might be like, oh, no, it's different. Blah, blah, blah. But it's not really a kid movie. I mean, I guess they were marketing it as, like, for people who like science fiction or something like that. Or maybe, I don't know how many comic book movies there were. I mean, I, I guess technically it's, like, the first Marvel movie, but I don't recall. I don't know if Marvel is <laughs> ever mentioned in there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't.
1: Yeah.
2: I was trying to think about
0: it. Like, it's not. Yeah. It's not really. It's kind of like Blade in that way. Like, I feel like Blade is almost, like, shoehorned into being a Mar- a Marvel movie, but, like, most people, if they just think of Blade, I don't think they would think of it as a Marvel movie. And you know, <laughs> Howard, Howard the Duck is kind of even more so. Like you, you have to connect a lot of dots before you realize the character is so obscure that oh yeah, this is a this is technically a comic book movie and one of the first ones there was. Yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah. See, and I I know for me when I think back on what I remembered from Howard the Duck. I didn't remember any of the stuff that really truly makes this kind of a Marvel comic book movie, all the stuff about the doctor getting possessed and like becoming a demon. Like I remember all this stuff with her or like, I vaguely remember this stuff with her singing in the club. I vaguely remember the stuff, like all, all the hijinks things like them trying to sneak into the lab and stuff. But I mean, I don't remember the big set piece that, would make this more of a comic book movie. It's, yeah. you
0: know, but even, even that is almost entirely the third act. Like my, yeah. my, one, my one like personal, like gripe with this movie is I feel like it's on a certain track where it's this like weird romantic comedy between, between a a punk rock singer and a alien duck. Yeah. And <laughs> then, and then I kept wondering like, are they ever going to explain like what happened And then in the end, I almost kind of wish they didn't. I wish they would have just went and just kept going down the love story a little and maybe had like a different, like maybe she had a, it was like short circuit where, where what's her fate? Ali Sheedy has like a shitty boyfriend and, you know, the robot beats him up and stuff. Like I wish they would have went down that, that route instead of kind of shoehorning in the like, oh yeah, we have scientists and we need, and there's a big monsters are coming out. Yeah, Because even, even the monsters, it's not till they make the mistake trying to send him back that all of a sudden these monsters that were never in play before, all, all of a sudden now they're our big bad antagonist, even though we haven't heard or cared about them for the first hour and 20 minutes.
1: Yeah. Well, I know when Jeffrey Jones first showed up, I mean, I was very excited to see Tim Robbins as well. But when Jeffrey Jones first showed up, I'm like, oh, does he play a good guy in this movie? <laughs> like, you know like I was I'm like oh okay you know like Colin asking Josh about how he felt when his good guys played bad guys here was bad Mr. Ruiny playing a good guy yeah. and and it, it wasn't right to me it just I, I felt off kilter yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that guy that guy just looks like a bad a bad dude he's, he's meant to pl- there's some people who are just meant to play bad guys and he's one of them
1: I was just shocked that it wasn't though him that made the turn like it was the fact that he got possessed it wasn't him going oh science and and greediness like he he didn't do that turn which would be the expected one from him
2: yeah (laughs) Uh, colin you bring up a good point about short circuit we talked about this i think on another podcast but i have to say like that was another weird one where there's like this weird um not inner species but uh Non-human kind of like love yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a woman and a robot, and now it's a you know. So it's like uh, I forget which year Short Circuit came out. Was it the same year?
1: It, been, it might 86? have been eighty-six. Actually, yeah, eighty-six. Yeah,
2: eighty-six. I mean, I feel so. I, I don't know. There was something, something was on. in the air. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> People <laughs> had questions in nineteen eighty-six.
0: If if only if only they could see the world now with like sex robots and all these weird things <laughs> <laughs> but i I do like that they go for it like when i watch the movie and the, there is th- when you get to like the love scene when they're in the bed and and all that i was like you know are they actually gonna go for it like <laughs> and i was just and in my in my mind i felt like i had this internal struggle where i was like i don't know what i want to happen as things progress, like I don't, like I don't know if I want somebody to enter, or if like, do I want this to go down? Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. it was a very confusing. uh <laughs> I, but I do, but I do like that it ends up being Howard who's like kind of skittish, like he's like, oh, I don't know. What to-
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I,
2: I thought it was it was intended to be sort of a joke, right? It was sort of a joke. Like initially, Howard makes a joke, then Beverly like, like does the whole coming on to him, but she's also kind of joking and like. I feel like that kind of gets missed at the end. That it was just like a, just like a, you know, an act, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that
2: and that was like
0: what I was also trying to figure out because it does seem like maybe they're just like they're like playing chicken, yeah, sort yeah. of like with each other.
1: See, that's all. That's the vibe that I got from it. Okay. Yeah, is that it was who's going to go further? Yeah. But then she's kind of into it. I don't yeah, know. Because I mean... then, then at, <laughs> like, then at the end.
0: I mean, you still you 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 don't ever get to see them actually kiss, but I feel like at the end it's implied mm-hmm. that they're together, and that's what the director said in the interview as well. Like in his in his mind, Howard and Beverly live half
2: happily ever after.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Well, in a comic book, I mean they they do have this like they do have that kind of relationship, so they oh, okay. are like a, a couple. I think off and on, I, I haven't read all of them, but you know, from what I've read, it's, it seems like they are. And uh, yeah, there, there's and some of the early comic books. I think there's even a couple scenes where Howard is in the bed with Beverly, just like that. And I think there was like, uh, this is like a thing. I don't quite understand this because uh, I don't really know that much about comic books, but there's like a code, right? Back mm-hmm. in 86, there would have been the comics
0: code authority. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, I, so I think you can get around that with a magazine. So I think Howard the Duck eventually went to a magazine format where they could kind of like be more graphic. And I think there's okay. like, yeah, if you look up uh, that kind of stuff, you can see more graphic kind of stuff within Howard and Howard and, and Beverly. But so I think, it, I think it just kind of follows the, what the comic was already doing. But the thing was that the coward, the, the comic book was meant to be like a, this is so weird. How could this possibly happen? But I don't know if they quite nailed that with the movie, but uh I don't know. When I was a kid, I totally didn't know. I was like, damn, this is really weird. And, and the only other thing, <laughs> too, um, so Beverly picks up Howard's wallet at one point, and she's, like, kind of riffing through it, and there's, and like... He's
1: got a condom without a wrapper? So that was okay. the thing.
2: like I was like, what is that? I don't know what that is. But then as an adult, you're watching that, I was like, why is that condom, like, not in the wrapper? Did he use it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, an Howard?
0: And, like, would you use it? That was my question. Like, yeah, why it's not in the wrapper... It's, like... And she's just, like, oh, Howard. What woman woman is going to allow you to use this, like... Talk about, like, unsanitary.
1: Does the... Okay. Now, is it only weird, though, because he's a duck? Like, because this particular alien looks like an animal we're familiar with? Because, like... You know, we watched Galaxy Quest a little while ago, and we were all excited about Tony Shalhoub hooking up with his squid woman at the end. Well, Is it because think, it's a but, relatable animal?
0: Well, I think also in Galaxy Quest, like, they show the alien as humanoid, as, like, a human, mostly. Yeah. So it's like you forget, you forget a lot that it's a squid, like, monster. I mean, but in, I do... in,
1: in Shape of Water, you're like, come on, girl, get that. You know, like,
0: there is probably something to it being a duck. Like, I think that, yeah, it's just, it's, it's odd. Yeah. We eat eat those. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I guess I just, I don't know. I think, I think like maybe they didn't want to make it too obvious. I wonder if like there was something where if they had, because I feel like they could have had fun with like a condom wrapper that is like, I don't know, instead of Trojan, it could have like a picture of a duck or something on it. They, they that, yeah.
1: That's what blew my mind. The art department went to such details with so many things. But I yeah, they had like Mallard. Yeah. Mallard. Yeah, exactly. Mallard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Josh? You just gave me a segue because I think it's time for sponsorship corner. Oh, there you go. There you go. Now, always on the lookout for product placements and movies. This week, Howard the Duck is brought to you by RC Cola, Coca Cola, and Pepsi Cola, Budweiser and Lowen Brow Beers, Heinz, Quaker Oats, Harvest Flour, Sony, Reebok, and Converse, U Haul, North American Van Lines, Ford, Hertz, Penske, and White Trucks, Cat Diesel Power, MasterCard, the Cleveland Indians, the Cuyahoga Nuclear Power Plant, and Axis keytars plus the possibly fictional Cleveland Van and Storage, and the definitely fictional Hot Tub Fever Dynatechnics, and Joe Roma's Cajun Sushi, and I could break down all the play-on products in the Duck World, like Dukaroni or Shorts Blaster or the Rolling Egg Magazine. But the art department—they—they they went overboard, and so there's just too many to list. But this has been Sponsorship Corner. Yeah, I, I definitely like uh, the idea of Joe Roma's Cajun sushi. We've got <laughs> we've got three different types of food there. That that's fusion extreme right there. We've got Italian, we've got Cajun, and we've got su- uh, Japanese.
0: Yeah, that was a <laughs> that was a, that was a tough one for me to wrap my head around what was going on. I was like, oh, it's a bunch of like, are, is this a Karate Kid themed restaurant? I thought maybe they were all like Daniel Sun. <laughs> Headbands or whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I I like the amount of different Star Wars and Indiana Jones shirts that make their way into this movie, though. Like, the sushi chef, I I believe, is wearing a, t- a Raiders of the Lost Ark t-shirt. Yeah.
0: I also felt like, I don't know if you guys have this problem, but I always find it really odd. Like, there's a taco, like, I'm not going to say where it is. There's a taco shop that I do like in in, uh, in Edmonton. But I find it really weird when I go there because the people who own and operate it are not Mexican. They're like East Indian. Yeah. And I always find, I always find that strange. Like, you know, I make tacos at home, but you know, I feel I wouldn't like I would call you voted, them
1: authentic. Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> call
0: them authentic. <laughs> and I, and, and I was just trying to think, I also love sushi, but if I walked into this place, I don't know if sushi's on the menu for me. Like, there's, like, even the guy, the chef is not Asian. Like, there's nobody Asian that I saw in that restaurant making sushi. Yeah. How am I supposed to trust the
2: sushi? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't I don't know if you, uh, uh, this is true in Canada. I will say that in the States, I would say, like, if I had to put a number on it, like, 60 to 70% of, like, well, probably higher, actually, of Japanese restaurants are actually owned by, like, overseas Chinese folks who, or, or, or it's sometimes Korean, but, like, not very often you actually find actual Japanese staff there. So for a lot of folks, you're like, I don't know. It's like, it's it's good enough, but there's different parts of the world, different cuisine, you know? So, But yeah, like where where I live in central Pennsylvania, if you get uh, sushi here, like it's, it's going to be like, people would prefer it if it had like cheese inside of it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
1: all the best sushi comes with cheese. (laughs)
0: <laughs> where, where we where we are in, uh, in 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 Alberta most places whether it's like Tokyo Express or Edo Japan or whatever they have what's called the Alberta roll which is a, a sushi roll with beef because you know we all love that Alberta beef so you gotta get it in
2: <laughs> I'm willing to put money on the the folks that came out with that are not of Japanese descent but they are hardworking Chinese folks who like saw an opportunity there and like, we're going to go for it. Yeah,
0: yeah, probably.
2: Yeah. I can say such things. These are partly my people. So I could <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Westernized Chinese food is, is a, is a thing. It's a breed unto itself, but wine, uh, it <laughs> but it is, you know, it feels, it feels a, a niche. So I, I will say that that's the scene in the movie, right? Where they serve Howard an egg, Right. Yeah, and he gets all freaked out. He's like I, don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I also like. I I really like the early stages of when what's what's Ferris Bueller principal's name?
1: Uh, oh, um, n- not Jeffrey Jones. That's his real name. Uh, uh, Doctor Walter Jennings.
2: Jennings. Okay. Jennings,
0: yeah. I like the I like the early stages of Walter Jennings. Doctor Jennings' possession. Like when they're that scene when they're in the diner is so funny to me. When he's just like. Like why are they even like they oh no it's cuz he's in the van with them. He gets possessed while he's in the van. That's right. Yeah. But I just like that when when the overlord when he becomes he fully becomes the overlord and he's just you know so evil and they're still there like all nice trying to figure out what's going on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then the classic, you know, oh, I hate working the night shift line." <laughs> cuz you got to have that when when some guy becomes possessed and starts speaking in tongues.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you guys like I mean we talked about we talked about the the Howard suit but I felt in terms of the uh what do you want to call it like the visual effects I guess I thought that to me honestly that was the only aspect of the movie that I felt was super dated but not necessarily in a bad way it's just yeah. you could just you could just tell like oh this is this is what was available at the time
1: Yeah
2: Like the crackling and stuff coming out of his fingertips, like Jennings' fingertips and stuff like that. You know, he he also sort of glows. I kind of was freaked out by it it as a kid because like that scene in the diner, he's like starts sweating, I guess. For some reason that kind of like weirded me out um, because he kind of looks like he's, uh, he gets all like red and like uh, he starts to have that sort of halo around him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, there, there's the part in the truck, too, where his face starts to turn really red. And I'm just... All I could think about was the headache Jeffrey Jones must have had at the end of the day after after that shoot. Because, like, you could see that he was making his face turn red. Blew my I mean, mind. I but, that. yeah, I, I agree, though, that for 1986, yeah, these were decent special effects. They Anything that, like you said, the duck suit was... The duck suit felt like... Now Kermit the Frog is riding a bicycle. That's kind of how the uh, duck suit felt at times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just this bulky, uncomfortable, uncoordinated outfit.
0: Yeah, I will say I thought like the monster, the big monster at the end, was a little bit over the top. Like I don't know why they had to go with this this massive, I don't know, space spider insect thing. It remind it, it almost reminded me of the 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 like big bad alien in men in black
1: yeah i don't know i i mean i was wondering how a lab could blow up so many times but still be the place that you want to go to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like like it blows up what at least twice and both times they think that it's not damaged enough that they can still use this lab
0: maybe it was maybe they had different uh like different different labs in the same building
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe,
0: although I guess they would have only had one giant laser thing. So,
1: well, you would think that. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> the only problem with that. Yeah.
2: Well, I, well, one thing I never really understood was that they had that, and maybe I just missed this, but that um, little vehicle that Howard rides at the end, which has like the laser on it or whatever it is, yeah, that yeah. Uh, the like cannon mounted thing? on a little yeah. like ATV. Like, where did that come from? What is the <laughs> what was the purpose of that thing? Like, what function did that serve?
1: in the lab in a lab setting what function does this like mini tank laser tank
2: yeah Hmm.
1: i don't know there's got to be some logical reason for something like that
0: (laughs) yeah so some
1: is it security maybe maybe it's security security that's what they drive around the perimeter in well
0: was, was the tank attached was like the laser cannon thing attached to the cart or did he just place it there
1: Oh, maybe he placed that there.
0: Because I think it could just be like a thing to... They're in like a massive like military compound, so it could have just been like a cart that they used to go from, from place to place, but...
1: Yeah. Or if it was like a volcanic lair in a James Bond movie or something. That too.
0: <laughs> yes. That too.
2: <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite scenes was the, the part in the plane, like the little ultralight plane. Yeah where the Tim Robbins character Blumbert and uh, Howard are, are, you know, flying to, you know, save Beverly at the lab.
1: Yeah. I, I like, I like all the nods that H- Howard has that ducks aren't meant to fly.
2: Right. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not only can Howard not fly, he can't swim. Right. And so, I don't know. They thought that they did a nice job with that. I, I, I feel like in a lot of eighties movies, there had to be like a requisite car chase where the police look like bumbling idiots.
1: Yeah. And so there's a
2: <laughs> bunch of, bunch of that here where there's, like, I, you know, they destroy a bunch of cars, police you know, cars, like that, and they're off, you know, flying. Well, it's a really long chase. That That's yeah.
1: what kind of threw me off, is it's like, fuck, you're in a plane, go over a lake!
2: Well, like, yeah.
0: I feel like, to your point, Josh, it's also, like, the police look even more hapless because they're chasing somebody who has no business flying, like, that little plane looks like it requires a lot of skill to fly well, like, I don't think you could just hop on it and and go away
2: <laughs> <laughs> so i do believe the guy who directed the rocketeer actually joe johnson i think worked on this film and i do believe he was involved with that particular scene i don't know if he did like the costumes or maybe like the special effects. i think he did the special effects yeah I, I, he actually he flies ultralight planes and so i don't know if he was involved in the what he would call it, choreography—I don't know—or whatever it is for, for the the way that 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 whole scene was was shot. But it was, it was also one of my favorite parts of the parts of the film, actually.
1: I, I mean, I haven't even given much of a shout out to the character of Phil, played by Tim Robbins. I mean, I mentioned him a bit, but yeah, I I really enjoyed Tim Robbins in this movie. I I don't know what it is about him playing just the nerdy scientists like that but i always love when tim robbins shows up i did read though that that character could have been played by jay leno though
0: wow that would have been different (laughs) i think that's a first for the show i don't know that we've ever heard jay leno as an alternate casting especially especially in an 80s movie where like it's always it's always basically one of 20 guys
1: yeah yeah
2: I wonder if I, I, you know, I think that was a fairly early movie for him, like Tim Robbins, because I I remember reading or hearing about that, you know, after this film, like, you know, that was a real hit to like Lucas related stuff. Like, I don't know, you know, and then I think Leah Thompson took a hit from it. But Tim Robbins, like he's like way, way like over the top, like in just in terms of what he does. I don't know, like I wonder if he was not known enough to like really like take a hit from it or not. Maybe he was. I don't know. Like, I wonder what that did for him or did anything, you know, negative. Yeah. It seemed to affect other people not in the greatest way. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Leah Leah Thompson in the
0: one interview mentions whatever movie she went to do after this, like, she basically was so impacted by the bombing of Howard the Duck that she, like, questioned her own abilities for a while and, like, had to... I guess like relearn her her confidence in order to act again.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think she's the problem with the movie though. Like the performance that she gives and the the amount that she went over the top in order to like learn how to play guitar and sing and yeah. everything. I mean, I
0: mean, I, if I, I'm being honest, like I actually don't think this is a, is a bad movie. I'm I, like even even when I watch like I watch this movie and I mean well. I could get into more at the end, I guess. But I watched this movie having attempted multiple times to watch Buckaroo Bonsai. Thank you for whoever recommended that movie to us. But that movie was a struggle. And so I, I expected to watch Howard the Duck with like... It was going to be like that level of just... Venom. How am, ever, how am I ever going to get through this? And it was like... it was. I thought it was... Like, incredibly enjoyable.
2: (laughs) I might have... Did I I suggest Bucker? (laughs) No, no.
1: (laughs) No, that was a listener request from James. It's coming, James. okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you, Con. I mean, you can see, like, where, like... All right, yeah, it's not... It's not gonna win, like, any awards, but I mean... Yeah, I just think, like...
0: Like, I don't think it's a great movie, but I just... The, like kind of like how you talked about at the beginning the way this movie is just written off is like as like a joke and like even in, in the special the interviews I watched again like they mentioned how like there was a time where it would show up on sitcoms about like when it was like the butt of jokes whenever you talked about how bad something was it would be compared to Howard the Duck mm-hmm. and I just feel like there were worse movies that I that came out in the 80s than Howard the Duck yeah, in my, in my opinion like i think again like i think the movie as a whole is a, is an enjoyable watch maybe it's just because i have that sensibility but the only the only thing i could fault it is i just think it's like i think it's it's almost like too niche to like a really nerdy type of person
2: yeah yeah well, well let me ask you this you this guys Like mean, what what would you want it to, if you could kind of like fix parts or, or if you were going to do it what would you have done differently
1: I think just a slightly more focused tone.
2: Hmm. Cause yeah.
1: it's, there, there's a, there is the campiness to the beginning. And then there, you know, and then it gets like this really dark, like Colin said, it's only the last third of the movie that all of a sudden this dark overlord story comes in and really becomes part of the plot. It would be nice if there were hints earlier on or something like yeah. that, but.
0: I was going to say, like, I would have liked a scene at the beginning showing the scientists working on the laser Mm. concurrently with, like, showing Howard doing his own thing so that it wasn't just so random that he just got sucked out and you're like, what the heck happened? And (laughs) then, yeah, the the villain needed to be hanging over the story longer, so it would have also been more interesting if, like, you had even introduced either... An antagonist that Howard had in Duckworld that also got brought back to Earth, or the Dark Overlord somehow came with. Like, he also got sucked back at the same time as Howard and possessed the guy, and so that he was working on his agenda kind of at the same time rather than it just coming into play at the end. Yeah. I think, like, I actually think it's just like some added, like, just some added plot points for, like, a little bit of consistency in and, and the story, I think, for me, would have made it. Yeah, but again, like, I, th- I still think it's a good watch as it is.
1: Well, one thing I might have added a little bit more of was the manager storyline. The idea of Howard becoming the girl's manager. And like it's I almost wanted to watch the Josie and the Pussycats story, but that mm-hmm. was abandoned when the Dark Overlord took over.
0: Yeah, like, I think it would have been cooler if he saves her. And she's like, I need a job, I guess. And so she's like, okay, well, be my manager and skip that whole part where he's like working in looking for a job. I find everyone jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Working in the brothel and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with Sean. I would have liked to see more of Howard with the band. Yeah. And then I think like to further your question, like I've been thinking of like hypothetical sequels to this movie. And I I really feel like if they were to make a sequel, I would have loved to see howard and beverly go back to duck world and have a movie that was was the opposite i guess like more focused and you could see more of what's going on with duck world
1: her fish out of water story Hmm. yeah
2: that's interesting yeah oh that's i never thought of that
1: well there we go that's howard the duck now colin josh on imdb it scored 4.7 out of 10 it has a meta-score of 28. Ouch! On Rotten Tomatoes, it has 13% on the tomato meter and an audience rating of 38%. But Colin, those are just numbers. Like uh beam sucking you out of your house in <gasps> Duckburg. Hit us with some reviews. Actually, was it called Duckburg? That, I'm thinking DuckTales, aren't I? You're thinking
0: of DuckTales. <laughs> yeah.
1: Duckburg. Okay, Okay.
0: all right, guys. This is gonna be a doozy. I'm so excited. I have eleven. I have eleven. Count it. Eleven reviews. Outstanding to read for you. For all the low, the low stuff that Sean just rattled off, Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, whatnot. I'll have you know that on the Google review service, this movie has a 4.5 out of five average rating. And I have never read more like WTF. Review write-ups for a movie than this one, so prepare.
1: Right on. Okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) Zerny Music says, This movie truly helped me find myself as a person. I have never been so emotionally moved and driven as when I looked into the eyes of Howard the Duck... He has convinced me of the fact that I am and will always be a duck. I am now more motivated than ever to pursue my destiny in this world to float around in a lake and quack all day. I wear a fluffy white duck suit and hop happily around the lake to greet my family. I have left my human, quote-unquote, family, as they cannot truly encapsulate the great power and beauty of Howard the Duck. Howard has done everything for me. I love you, Howard.
1: That person found their spirit animal.
0: Mm Mm-hmm expert critic five out of five stars says quite possibly the great greatest movie of all time (laughs) let's start off with the brilliant idea it would take no less than a genius to conceptualize such a creative idea as for the movie itself it is a triumph for filmmaking there are many memorable moments that will go down as some of the best ever the dialogue is genuine and believable plot line is very intriguing and will make you reflect upon life this is most definitely the best Marvel movie by far and possibly the best movie of all time.
2: <laughs> wow. Oh. Wow.
0: This one, this one is a negative. Oh, Finley yeah. Dean gives the movie two out of five stars and says, Marvel has never been good. They fall off when they not bake Howard to duck pancakes. Worst Marvel film is Steel Man 2. He robbed bank? When? First of all, I'd like to apologize for my colleague's actions. He didn't go to school, and his most formal education was preschool in the Tafford Arms. <laughs> this is his father's new lover. I have come to collect him from school. <laughs> we put the cool in Colgate. Best film ever seen with my own freaking eyes. Ten out of two stars.
1: <laughs> what? Well, uh, okay.
2: It's serious drugs there.
1: <sighs>
0: <laughs> Caleb Huntsman says, five out of five stars. <laughs> This movie truly helped me to get in touch with my inner celestial aspects. Never before have I seen something so pure yet so intangible before my eyes. I have finally laid my eyes on something of greater importance than myself. Thank you so much for bringing this into my life. My astral projections have told me that at some point in my life, I'll come in contact with holiness itself. This movie was that point. When I read the stars at night, all I can see is Howard the Duck. When I lay on my pillow with my eyes shut, Howard comes to visit me. Even when I am emptying my bladder, the reflection is Howard the Duck. You should watch this modern holy grail. Perhaps Howard the Duck himself will visit you in the nighttime as well.
1: Like, uh, Did somebody like organize a group of people together to try to get the Howard the Duck rating up on Google?
0: I have no idea of... We can only hope. <laughs> Juan F. Osorio says, five out of five stars. This movie was ahead of its time. Never had I felt such a strong connection as a person with feathers as I had with Howard the duck. I was born with a rare condition that made me develop some strange feather-like protuberances from my toes. Thus, I consider myself as one with Howard and his plight. This was the right step towards representing people with feathers. Most of all, in such a positive way, those central eyelids and duck fingernails finally made me feel at peace with my condition.
1: Uh, uh, I I, I, I don't know whether it's a joke (laughs) (laughs)
0: Aiden Nichols 5 out of 5 stars Greg Lucas was truly ahead of his time Howard the Duck explores the stigmatizing inequalities running rampant in the 80s and puts a fun twist on it by making Howard into a duck Howard doesn't only represent the oppressed sexual predator, but he's got the spunk to back it up. Howard the duck is ahead of its time and should be a lesson to all those who had oppose the duck's sexually predatory instincts. Long live the duck and thank you Jeff Lucas Shibuya.
1: Greg and Jeff like both times. <laughs> both times got the name wrong and but two different versions. Okay, Greg and Jeff Lucas.
0: Ali Mehdi Ladiwala gave the movie one out of five stars and says, This film truly made me want to get out of the theater and rip my hair out. My friend fell asleep and all of a sudden a random duck appeared. My daughter was crying so hard she left without me noticing because it was literally brain damage. Howard gave me nightmares and it was so bad I smashed my laptop screen and threw it at the duck on the wall. This was the worst nightmare ever. You're supposed to be doing work. Sorry, that was voice typing. You can you guys can't see, but there's a lot of there's a lot of typos and, and stuff <laughs> and, and zero punctuation. Okay. We're almost there. Robert Brown, one out of five stars, says, Okay, listen, just so you know, I'm not giving this movie. I will destroy. Today, I just watched the abomination known as Howard the Duck, and a few problems are that there are too many adult jokes. The special effects are bad, and sometimes I think the actors are on drugs. Oh, and the fight scenes are awful. They just look crazy. Oh, and you know the crazy thing is that this is a Marvel movie. Yeah, how can Marvel make something like this? Oh, and George Lucas (laughs) was involved with this, too? I hate this movie now. Time to kill it. Okay, flamethrower. Let's do this now. That was a nice explosion, so you can guess I don't like this movie, so don't watch it this is a critic good this this is critic kid good night
1: i like the journey that one took me on oh and one more thing oh and another thing
0: (laughs) (laughs) peach says five out of five stars howard the duck really shows the contrarianism in human society humans remain the most enormous pieces of garbage in the universe howard is and will consistently represent my god i worship him with all of my heart and soul and i will never love another being but howard Levon Way says, The duck was scary, but not as scary as Daddy before his nap. I liked the part with the dogs and the meat sandwich. That sticky, slimy guys were kind of cute. They remind me of my grandmother after she dropped the peanut butter on her head, but that's a whole different story. Other than that, the most movie was a fan it? <laughs> How... <laughs> Help you like my review and see you next time <laughs> the effort the effort this person put into writing this review spelling every word wrong is i don't know
1: <laughs> next level
0: uh and Anna Lindsay's five out of Five stars. I watched this movie with my family all except for my mom who was at work, and I only remember one scene, but I know this is a good movie, oddly specific that's why I include that's the last one that's why I included it <laughs> nice. Then gold. You can only <laughs> wish that every review section was so glorious.
1: <laughs> right on. So, yeah, like I said, we've got 4.7 and 38 from audiences, 28 and 13 from critics. Okay, Josh, let, let's get, give you your TED Talk moment here. Why should people like Howard the Duck more than 4.7 at its top?
2: uh i would say why why not okay because because i mean if you go in to a movie that's called howard the duck thinking taking it seriously then go watch citizen kane or something else like like, come on it's just a movie guys like so lighten up chill out and just like check your brain don't question it like I, i think if if you uh, go into the movie like expecting something other than it's a duck, uh, he's trapped in a world he's never made, and you get to don't think too hard. You will have a good time. And I think that's why, <laughs> in a way, that's why I liked it as a kid because I didn't really question the other stuff. I would say there's a couple other reasons to watch it. Uh, I would watch it uh, for... I think the music actually is really good. John Barry, who did the soundtrack, does it does a really great job. Mm-hmm. Leah Thompson and the other people who are in the Cherry Bomb, you know, glam band that they do, they do an excellent job. Uh, and you can see glimpses of of uh, their uh, the singing and the, the songwriting and stuff like that that went into it. A lot of effort went into the movie. And I would say, like, you should watch it primarily. Uh, I think you should watch it because so many people hate on this movie over and over and over again. But I don't know if they've actually watched it, so do it for that and make up your own mind so don't 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 follow the flock
1: okay, okay, Colin, you bought it a year ago at a garage sale. Did you hold on to it until this week for this recording, or have you watched it sometime in the last year, and what is your experience with Howard the Doc? No,
0: this was my first watch. I bought it specifically because I knew that it might end. It, tw- it might end up being on this show, yeah. And so I've waited for this moment for almost a year, and I really liked it. I, for the life of me, can honestly not understand why people rag on this movie so much. Yeah, and th- and that's just me watching. Like I just watched it. What I would say to Josh's point is, if you have the ability to get your hands on the DVD. What and and you're and you're skeptical about this movie is watch the special features first and listen to like the story of how this movie was made and kind of like the passion that people have for it who are making it and like all the effort and like thought that did go into making it. and then watch the movie. And I feel like you'll appreciate you can like appreciate it for what it is. But I do agree as well with Josh, like what do you expect? From a movie called Howard the Duck. Like you can't be expecting it to be, I don't know, Argo or like what's uh, King Richard or whatnot, if that movie's <laughs> even good. Will Smith, you're dead to me. Rotten. <laughs> Rot. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought it was a fun I thought it was a fun watch. I would make a case that in this movie, Leah Thompson is the hottest woman that has ever existed on the planet earth oh, so and much if there's only one reason to watch it for then that maybe just watch it for that and I, and to top it off i mean her acting there were times where I was like the overacting is a bit much, but I felt as the movie went on, like her performance is decent. I, I really enjoyed her in this movie. Well, and the chemistry that she has with Howard. Yeah, is when you're playing very, off someone in good.
1: a duck costume, yeah. you gotta you gotta already give it a bit of a handicap for that alone, right there is okay. Yeah. I mean, she did amazing, especially considering this is who she was up against as a yeah. scene partner. So
0: yeah. I will be, I guess, going forward to Howard the Duck Apologist. And the thing is, the only thing I'll say about it is, like, I know there there is a certain type of person who I think will love this movie, and then there are other people who are just not going to get it. And they don't get most movies that I think are good. So that's just the way the world is. Yeah. <laughs> there we go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I saw it again, and... I mean, yeah, can't stress enough how gorgeous Leah Thompson is in this movie. But yeah, I I enjoyed my revisit, and I was happy to see all the parts of Howard the Duck that I didn't remember as being part of Howard the Duck. It was like I got a whole bonus movie out of it, because I forgot the whole Overlord storyline, which arguably is probably the storyline of this movie that you should remember, but... Yeah, I'm I'm on board with you guys. It's it's not a terrible movie. I mean, come on. It's not yeah, terrible. It just, it's just
0: Yeah. The thing I would say about the movie is that it just, it just doesn't deserve, in my opinion, the amount of may saying yeah. that it that it receives would kind of be how I sum up my thoughts.
1: Yeah, if you wanna if you wanna remember a very specific time in the eighties when a uh, punk at a concert is going to wear severed doll heads all over his leather jacket. Then this is the movie for you. When when your weird punk guys are are smoking out of one of those like cigarette extenders that you would see them smoking. See someone like you know Greta Garbo smoking out of in the forties. You know, you know. Yeah. There you go. You got Howard the Duck because that's what punks were like in the eighties in this world. well there we go that's Howard the Duck and that's our show for this week oh boy a big huge thank you to our special guest our Howard the Duck scholar Mr. Joshua Blum Josh if you want people to uh, hear the things that you're putting out there tell them where to find you
2: yeah so you can find me uh, over on the 13th Hour Podcast wherever you find podcasts it's a it's uh, a podcast about books that I've written, a lot of which were influenced by 80s movies like Howard the Duck. Uh, you can find me on Amazon. I wrote a book called 13th Hour and there are a bunch of other books kind of like that. And I will say it also appeals to a very specific kind of uh, person um, that probably would like a movie like Howard the Duck. And I will say a project that I've gotten involved with over the last year, I would say, in change is there's actually a filmmaker. His name is Ernie Trinidad. And he's actually making a documentary about howard the duck and the making of it and he's calling it howard the Duck, doc like documentary nice. and uh, i've gotten involved with it and I think it's going to be coming out this fall. Uh, I've been working on some like art pieces, so I'm making like these little miniature Beverly Switzer figures playing the guitar, and it's for people that backed his fundraising campaign in for like a uh, you know like a it was Indiegogo, I think. But anyway, um, and so I've been working on those and. Nice. Uh, so that'll be coming out over the, probably this year, I think. So look for more of this. You can find more of that kind of stuff on my website, uh, 13thhr.wordpress.com, or if you can look me up on social media, and you'll find it. Right on. That's super cool, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for that. I love how all these, uh,
0: I guess they might be like 80s or 90s, like cult flop movies, that all these, like, because they did the same thing with Monster Squad, right? Like that movie flopped back in the day and they, they a couple years ago made it made a documentary about it to kind of shed new light on it which it's cool that somebody's doing that for howard the duck because after watching it it definitely it definitely people need to give it a (laughs) relook
1: now would you watch a seth green howard the duck movie though
0: (laughs) in a heartbeat i would
1: (laughs) yeah okay so you're hoping he becomes a member of the guardians of the galaxy or something (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, I think that there is room for Howard the Duck to be. Like, I know that they did the little cameo in the One Guardians or whatever, but
1: and he's in What and, If? An episode and of and what, he's if. In what If? Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: Like, I think it would be. I'd like to see more of him in the MCU. Yeah. I think Howard. Like, I honestly think Howard the Duck would make a good MCU, like Disney Plus TV show, uh, if you yeah. played up the like that noir like space detective aspect of it. I think you really you could really have something there
2: yeah totally uh leah thompson has actually pitched this as a who she directs and stuff now and so she's actually pitched it to marvel i think as a as a project so i would go see it if she were directing it yeah yeah i think she would she would take the kind of like i think like she would kind of get it and be like, yeah. you know, you know, as much shit as she's taken in her life for this film, she'd be. I think it would be nice for one to her to have a redemption, but also to <laughs> probably like say, like, well, a few people. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna like do it in the way that you know I would have wanted to see it done, you know, originally. Whatever, the, no matter what the suits say.
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna cash my big Disney paycheck. And there's that. if you like that show one thing you can do to really help us out on the business end is well just tell your friends share our posts get get the word of mouth out there on the show find a friend pull them aside say hey there's this show that i listen to that you might like because you like movies so why aren't you listening to this show or if you want to go above and beyond go over to whatever app it is you listen to your podcasts on and give us five stars Or if you want to go above and beyond and become a financial supporter of the show, an executive producer, just like executive producer Joshua Blum, go over to patreon.com slash I used to like this one and become part of our Patreon family.
0: And be sure to check out our website, www.iusetolikethisone.com, where you can find links to all of our podcast episodes as well as our social media Hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. And if you, if the spirit moves you to, then you can also send us an email at I used to like this one, all one word at gmail.com and let us know what movie you used to like. And then maybe you'll find us talking about them on the show.
1: I used to like this one is created by host by and produced by Sean Wells and Colin Stewart. It is edited by Sean Wells music by Lyndon Carter. Look for his band Carter in the capitals. Anywhere you listen to music. Thank you for listening. And join us next time when we take a look at another movie. On I used to like this one. Uh, do you, Do you need to cough, Colin? You were it looked like you were swallowing a yeah. cough there for a <laughs> while.
2: Game. <laughs> How oh, is was also called the, the the COVID podcast. This, this that's is right. It. Yeah, that's just. <laughs> <all right. laughs>
0: boop-a-doop, boop-a-doop,
1: That's a lot. I made it. Yeah. It's the most talking I've done in a week.